welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Uh, my name is Pastor Robin. Those of us who are joining online, thank you for joining us here this morning. Um, it's a delight to share with you the word of the Lord, but I have a warning for you today. Uh, yeah. I've got a warning, and I want you to, to heed this warning. The warning is this. Um, why don't you say it after me? Don't settle. Don't settle. For knowing about Jesus. Don't settle for just knowing about Jesus. Isn't that great? No, all right, you can stop now. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody who's following us online, if you've been doing it, gold stars. Okay? This is a warning. Don't settle for knowing about Jesus. Why? Why? Because it's actually easy. It's easy to settle for knowing about him. This is the knowing about Jesus area. This is the knowing Jesus area. Okay, guys who are following me at the cameras? Okay? The difference is this. Knowing about Jesus, knowing about Jesus is not enough. But knowing him is what you've been called to. And the trap is for us is to just settle for just knowing about him. You know about his provision. You know about his ability to provide. You might know about his ability to give you peace. You might know about his ability to heal. You might know about his ability to save. And that just becomes knowledge that you store in this little cranium that you have here between your two ears. And that's all it will be unless you get to know him intimately. Unless you get to experience this. It's a danger, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. Non-Christians can know a lot about Jesus. If you go to a secular university right now, there are people who know more about the Bible than I do. They know the original languages better than I do. Someone at Wilfrid Laurier could teach you and could say, it could actually teach you right out of the Hebrew Bible about God. It could read it in Hebrew to you. But that individual doesn't have to actually have a personal relationship with God with that knowledge. Matter of fact, some of these people who have these PhDs at high-level universities and they know the original languages are not followers of Jesus. They dismiss the authority of the scriptures. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, you've poured over the scriptures. You've, you know the scriptures, you know everything that is happening in the Old Testament so well, you, can, you have it memorized, but you don't know that they reveal me. And because of that, you are absent of eternal life. There is no life in just knowing the scriptures if you haven't come to a revelation of who this is about 
and have entered into a knowing relationship with him. Here's one thing. If this doesn't get you, nothing will. James chapter 2 says this, even the demons believe in Jesus and shudder. The demons know, I, I, I'm, I'm here, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the demons know more about Jesus than you do. Because they believe and they shudder. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. You have to come into an experience where you've come to know him Personally, and I want to outline for you what I believe is the distance between two points, between knowing about him and knowing him. This is it. If you get this, good morning to you. We'll see you tomorrow, right? We'll see you later. This is it. The difference between two points is allowing, is allowing Jesus to meet your need. Because you might know about him here, and you might be content with knowing about him, but when there comes a point in your life where you need him to be your peace, you need him to be the power, you need him to be the healing, you need him to save you. If you don't acknowledge that need and respond to the person of Jesus Christ to meet that need, then it's just knowledge. Because I'm telling you, it's a person that you've been called to know. I understand that with your physical eyes, you cannot physically see him. So you've been asked by faith then, by what you know in the scriptures, that he is alive. He died and he was resurrected and he can say, I am with you always. And guess what? It's good that I went away. Because why? I'm going to give you my spirit. And my spirit's going to come and live in you. And my spirit will reveal truths to you about who I am and will comfort you and will counsel you. You can come to know him, even though you can't physically see him. And in, in, in Peter, it says that how blessed are you that you have actually entered into this knowledge of knowing him without seeing him. Listen, guys, this is the beauty of what we've been called into. But if you're settling for just knowing about him, and not allowing him to meet your need, then you're just going to stay in that category. And guess what? The demons are in that category. Secular professors are in that category. Secular professors of the Bible are in that category. There's a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, but they don't know him. We got to grasp this. We got to get this. Why is it important? It's important in this way, because even as a pastor, let me tell you guys, even as a pastor, I'm preaching to myself that I know a lot about Jesus. But if I ever get to this point in my life where I believe I've exhausted my knowledge of him, man, am I ever in trouble? Because I've got a whole lot of life ahead of me and I've got a whole lot more to know about him and I have all of eternity. You have all of eternity. We have all of eternity to know him. So let's stop playing around with knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Let's step into the boat. Let's get to know him. The difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him is like Jesus walking on the water, Peter's in the boat, knows about Jesus enough to get out of the boat and start walking on the water. In the moment, he was looking at his circumstances, and then he started to sink. And Jesus reached out to him. He said, ye of little faith. 
Because in this moment, he started to doubt whether or not he really, really, really didn't know enough to stand on his two feet on the water. And many of us are in that scenario in our lives where we might have here in the church, you stepped out of the boat and you started trusting in him and you started looking to him and you started to settle for what you knew about him because he does miracles, yes. And you came to a knowledge of him and salvation. You said, yes, he could do wonderful things. And you stepped out of the boat, but guess what? You might be at this point in your life where you're starting to sink in the water. Starting to doubt. And it's time to reach out your hand. And say, I'm willing to know you. Save me. And let him rescue you. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that uh, this uh, message today wouldn't just, uh, wouldn't be knowledge, just for the sake of knowledge. Because we don't need that. None of us need that. We don't need more knowledge. We need to know you. So I ask Holy Spirit that beyond what I'm able to say, that you would reveal yourself to your people today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter, chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're looking at verses 2 to 4. And 2 Peter is really important. Personally, Peter is really important on this subject because Peter was in the inner circle of people who knew Jesus. He was in the inner circle Jesus also knew other people who were in the inner circle, the other disciples. Jesus himself was brought up, brought them up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter was there with James and John, and he saw Jesus in his glory. He saw him in all of his, in all of his splendor, and even then he didn't really know him. He didn't have a full glimpse of who he was. He didn't have that glimpse of who he was until he needed Jesus. And we know what that end of that result was. That after the crucifixion, he was able to grasp who he was and, and hold on to his power to believe. We also know of somebody else who was also in the, probably the next concentric circle, who was a friend of Jesus, who knew about Jesus. Because Jesus said to the disciples, you know everything about me. I revealed the Father to you. His name was Judas. And he knew about Jesus. So when Peter is talking to us about this subject of knowing Jesus, we got to pay attention to what he's saying because he gets the subject really well. So let's look at that together. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. We're just going to only look at verse 2, okay? It says this. Be multiplied to you, in the what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Again, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seems easy enough. I think we always hear these terms, may the grace and peace you know, be transferred to you. You're like, well, that's great, but there's that in, how? In the knowledge of God. What is Peter saying? you are going to experience God's grace and peace in getting to know him by allowing him to meet your need for grace, for allowing him to meet your need for peace. You will then experience it. It's a promise. And it's a really important promise for us. 
because Peter is actually highlighting something to the original audience that maybe we wouldn't catch. He is writing to people in the church at this time. He is approaching death. He's going to be crucified by, um, he's going to be crucified upside down. So what's going to happen to Peter very shortly after he writes this letter? He's going to be crucified upside down, and so he's writing to the church. And the church is under considerable persecution. So they have persecution from all around, from inside and outside. And what they have are people who are coming into the church now as they are under persecution, under threat of death for their beliefs, coming in and saying, hey, guess what? Maybe you shouldn't really believe in all of this. Maybe there is another higher knowledge that you should come to, and you need to receive this higher knowledge. You need to know more about the universe, more about philosophy, more about spiritual things outside of this Jesus person. And so they're enticing the people of God to now get out from under the shelter of being believers and being in Christ, now believing something else, this about thing, knowing more about stuff to get a higher revelation. Sounds a lot like what we're going through these days. I mean, if you have YouTube, you get on YouTube, you can learn all kinds of stuff. You know, like, I don't know how many times I've gone on YouTube to find out how to change a car battery. Like, I just forget sometimes. And then sometimes I don't save that one video that was like good enough. And then I just forget about it. We have so much knowledge at our fingertips. What did people do before YouTube? What, what did they do before Wikipedia? Oh my goodness, what's that? So, <laughs> what did you do before that? And you had an encyclopedia. Maybe your parents you know, ordered like an encyclopedia set and you used that. I don't know. But in this world, there's so much value in knowledge. Go to post-secondary universities or, or, or institutions and get more knowledge so you get more abbreviations behind your name and that way you'll get a better job and then you have a higher elevated status above other people. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. The more knowledge you have, the better. Though we understand that that is not the value of a person, how much you know. That is not the value of a person. How much knowledge you have in your brain. It's not going to save you. It's not going to save you from death. It doesn't make you a better person because we know there's people who have lots of knowledge and it doesn't change how their character is. So this is not enough for us. And so this world is telling us, get more and more knowledge. Nothing against knowledge. But if it's a higher value above knowing him personally, then we're in trouble. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 10 says this. Uh, feel free to turn there if you want, but I'm just going to read it to you. This is Paul talking. And he, after this point, he's saying, guess all the knowledge, look at all the knowledge I have about the scriptures. Look at all the things that I've done to earn your respect as an apostle, to earn anybody's respect as a religious person. Look at all the things I've done. And then he says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. 
the righteousness of God from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and get this and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. I can't give my kids anything. I can't give them anything. I, there's not enough money that I could give them that would, that would be a demonstration of my heart of love towards them. My prayer is that they would know him because he is of the greatest value. And in everything that they experience, he is good enough and he's going to be there for them. I could tell them about his peace and I could tell them about his presence and how good it is, but they have to come to a point in their lives where they say, I know a lot about him and, and, and I'm going through something, but now I'm choosing to trust that he's going to really meet that need. And I read this and it breaks my heart because I realize this. I, I realize I, I can't convince you of this. You have to be willing to risk to allow him in. That whatever need you have, do not settle for just knowing about him to meet that need, but trust him to meet it. First John chapter 5, verse 20 says this, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him. That was the whole point. That we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. So I have a question for you. Because we're talking about his grace and peace being known in the knowledge of him. Have you settled for just knowing about his peace? Have you settled at any point in time in your life, and even in this moment, for just knowing about his grace? Is there an area of your life where you've done that? You're doing that? It's at a loss to you just to know about it. Allow him to meet that need. I mean, knowledge... I'll give you this example. It's like um, broken tent poles when you're setting up a tent. You ever got a broken tent pole? It's the worst. You're setting up a tent and there's, imagine you're setting up a tent and you have like several broken tent poles. Well, guess what? Even if it's not windy and rainy, you know, that thing's going to come down on top of you. Now, it's still shelter and it might give you a certain bit of peace for a little bit of time. It might help you to sleep through the night you know, with the raccoons and everything else. I'm imagining several campgrounds that do this, that have these problems. But it's going to frustrate you because you're always going to be trying to fix it and trying to sturdy it and trying to, to get it back up and it'll disturb your sleep. And, and even though it's able to do the job, you're, you're content with just using these broken tent poles to survive. But you haven't been called to just survive. That's not what you've been called to. You've been called to know him and we're going to learn about this, who is going to be able to provide you everything that you need for life and godliness. And so broken tent poles are just knowledge about Jesus. So all I know about is peace. But we need to put our confidence in something that is sturdy, which is the fact that he can be known and trusting him is enough that you can get proper tent poles to help sturdy that tent and even though the wind comes against it and the rain comes against it, it's going to stay up. And maybe it won't disturb your sleep. Some of us are so robbed of peace that it disturbs our sleep. The strength you need to get up and do another day is gone. Your physical strength to get up and do another day is gone 
because your anxiety has robbed you of sleep. And Jesus says this. Through the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee the evil desires of your youth. Flee just knowing about me. Flee all your Sunday school lessons. Flee all your daily word little booklets. Flee your Jesus always little devotionals. Don't just settle for these things. There just might be knowledge. Instead, enter into a moment where you're able to actually trust him with the knowledge that you've been receiving. And he says this, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Run to him. You're struggling today? Run to him. Flee from all the other solutions. Everything else that you felt would give you peace. Flee from every opportunity to escape this earthly suffering and struggle that we're in. There are multiple ways to escape now. And the internet is only one way to get multiple ways to escape this existence and how challenging it is. But instead, The difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus is allowing him to meet your need. So we need to settle for knowing Jesus. We need to settle for knowing Jesus. I'm going to talk more about that. By letting his peace meet our need. Let's keep reading, though. Right? Because we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We've been called to do that. So how does knowing Jesus help me do that? Let's keep going. Verse 3. Verse 3 says this, His divine power is granted to us all things. Say all things. All things. Pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That word to could also be translated by, and we're going to talk a bit about that too. But here we see that his divine power has granted to us, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So through the knowledge of him, and sometimes we just use that verse, we just say, everything is granted to us, life and godliness. But how? Through what method? Through what medium? Through the knowledge of Christ. Again, by knowing him, that is how it's transferred to us. Again, Paul is going against these people who are saying, you just need to know more about the universe, more about nature, more about the cosmos. You just need to know more about science. All you need to know is more about these things and everything's going to be fine. You'll have a higher revelation. You'll be able to survive and endure more things if you just know more. But this knowledge that Peter is talking about is an intimate inner circle knowledge. This Greek idiom that he's using here is talking about a relational knowledge. And in this, his divine power is now granted to you. And through his divine power, you have a provision. You have the provision of life and godliness. This is amazing. That word life is the word uh, zoe. So the word uh, life, uh, often in the Bible, has like three different, I think it's several, several different meanings in Greek. 
But here it's the word zoe, which is divine life. So not just your own earthly, you know, bios, human existence, you know, blood pumping in your chest kind of existence and life. We're talking about God's divine life. When you get to know him, his divine life is transferred to you. And all that you need for that is possible. This is through the wonder of the gospel that when you chose to believe in him, there was a part of you as a human being that could not be accepted by God because it was broken from the beginning. You inherited this brokenness, this thing called sin, from your ancestor Adam. So when Jesus died and you chose to believe that he died for you, Galatians 2.20, this is Paul talking, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. What got crucified? That old you that could not be accepted by God. So that when Jesus was risen to new life, as Paul says in Romans 6, you received a new life. You received his spirit to come and live inside of you. And you've also received a new spirit as well. And these two have been put together. And these two things are accepted by God. So now you are always accepted by him. And his life has come to exist within you. And so through the knowledge of him, his divine power is transferred in and through you in your life into every situation that you're in. Next word is very important, the word godliness, right? What does that even mean? In Greek, it's the word eusebia. And eusebia basically means true worship. How you respond to God's love. So you have everything that you need to honor God properly, to revere God properly, to live for him properly. You don't need anything more than what you've been given. Now, knowledge about him is helpful, but taking that knowledge about him and removing it from his power plugged into you is is of no worth to you. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness, to live as, as appropriately, as, as, as powerfully as, as, as he has called you to. He has already equipped you to do what he's called you to do. But we have to, through a knowledge of him, let him meet our needs. And the next part here I think is really interesting because he says that through the knowledge of him who called us, and if we look back at the verse, look with me at verse 3 again. It says, It says, to his own glory and excellence. Other translations say, by his own glory and excellence. What does that word glory mean? Glory is another way in the Greek of saying reputation. So by his own reputation, and that word excellence, basically just moral excellence, by his own competency, by his own reputation and competency, he has done what? He's given you divine power. So this is, this, is, this, is what, this is what this verse is actually saying. God is banking his reputation and competency in his ability to provide for you. His power to provide for you. He's banking on that. That he is competent enough to do this. I remember it's, I was working, in, a, at a, at a, I was working in, um, in sales and I was selling shoes. I always got to come back to this, guys. I, I was working, I was selling shoes. I'm like, I'm trying to sell shoes to people, and some, shoe, some shoes I could sell effortlessly just because of the look of them, but I know that I know that they're actually garbage. Like, I know that it's not structured well, it's not created well to last well, first of all, because I could see the materials that are being used in them, 
And I can also know by how many shoes come back <laughs> because they've fallen apart. And I could sell it to you, though, because it looks good. But then there are other shoes that promise things via their warranty. They say, like, no, this material is going to last you for, what, two years, three years, and you're going to go running here, you, go, you know, climb this mountain, do this or that. It's shoes going to last you. And I know that is true because I actually seen the materials, and I know the results of it. So I can confidently sell that shoe to somebody. And the salespeople who are making these shoes come to me as a salesman, and they say, hey, listen, this is why people can trust this. God is banking his reputation and his competency. He's banking on, on this claim about himself in his ability to provide for you. What am I saying? We can trust him. He's not going to fail He's putting his reputation on the line to demonstrate that he could provide for you. Again, I'm sorry, but I can't do anything more than persuade you to risk. I, I can only do one other thing is to persuade you to risk, to trust him. That when in every situation that you need him to provide, today can be the day where you choose to allow him to do that. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's physical, maybe it's health in your body. The difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him is allowing him in this moment to meet whatever need is existing in your life. And he's banking his reputation and his ability on his ability to provide for you. Trust him. Trust him. Let's keep going. Uh, let's look at verse four. Finding out several things today. We're going to be settled for knowing Jesus by letting his peace and his power um, uh, meet our needs. The next time we're going to learn about how his power, has, has, how his promises can meet our needs. So let's look at verse four. So verse 4 says this, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. By which, what are you saying by which? He's talking about his glory and excellence. By his own reputation. He's banking on his reputation. And his own reputation says this, by which he is, through his reputation, he has granted to us his precious and most very great Promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, now Peter is, is doing his best to, to sell Jesus to the, the church at this time that's under so much pressure. And he's saying there are sinful desires out there the desire for better reputation, the desire for better results the desire for retribution against those who've harmed you. Well, this is how you can get back at people. This Jesus person won't do it, but if you get into witchcraft, you know, you could curse somebody, you know, and there's evil powers that, that are present there and they can get them back. This is the stuff that Peter is up against. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't go away with these sinful desires, with these lusts that are out there. Instead, focus on these very, very great promises that he has made to you. And these promises are more than enough to sustain you. They're, they're, they're going to get you through. These two terms, very, 
Where, where, I'm, I'm going to look back there again at, at verse 4. It says, very great promises. These two Greek words are basically two words um, elevated above all other descriptions, saying that these promises are the promises. There's nothing else. Promises of what? Promises of resurrection life. Promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises of eternal glory that when this old body dies and is passed away, you will receive a new body in heaven, a new glorified body that is excellent in every way. Promises that he is close to the brokenhearted. You're not alone. It's with you. These are really great promises, but we got to hold on to them by faith. We have to. And Peter's making this claim, and, and, and I want to say something that might sound sacrilegious. It is new life, so that happens sometimes. I want to say something that's somewhat sacrilegious and with an analogy that might also be sacrilegious. I want to encourage us to settle for knowing Jesus. And you might say, that sounds weird. Why would I settle for knowing him? I, I, I mean, I think the right thing as a pastor to say is, you have to know Jesus. And that is the way. And there's no other way. Right? You gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta elevate this idea that it, there's no, you have to follow this Jesus guy. And everything else is rubbish. Right? And, and there's no worth in following the ways of the world. But I want to appeal to our humanity in this moment and say that we're under a barrage of lusts. We're under a barrage of distractions. We're under a barrage of ways to escape the pain and, this, and the suffering that we're experiencing that distract us from allowing Jesus to meet our needs. Sometimes I just pick up my phone and I'm on Instagram. How did I do that? Is anyone else like that? Sometimes I'm just like... I'm like, wait, I just spent five minutes. Like, how did that even happen? And I forgot the reason by which I picked up my phone, which is likely to call somebody, which is what a phone is supposed to do. But anyway... I didn't even have time. I didn't even mentally have time to check myself. We are under a barrage of distraction. I want to encourage you today, and I know it sounds bad, but the world is selling you everything that is possible outside of Jesus. And it might feel like you're living in this, a fear of better offers. Not FOMO, FOBO. <laughs> A fear of better offers. Oh, there's some, there might be something better out there. There might be another way to find belonging. There might be another way to find security. There might be another way to make money. It may not be the way that God has prescribed and invited me into. There might be another way to run my business. There might be another way to get back at people other than forgiving them and allowing Jesus to execute justice. So I'm encouraging you to settle 
to settle for Jesus. Because some of these promises that I called out earlier, they may not seem pertinent right now. They may not seem like a crisis right now. They may not seem like an emergency right now when the world is saying everything else is an emergency. Notification. For Instagram, notification for TSN. Oh gosh, I'm revealing myself. <laughs> notification on Twitter. Look, look what the look, look, look what the government's doing. Look what's happening in the, in the world. Look what's happening in Ukraine. Look what's happening to the, to, the, to, the, to the market. Look at all these things. All these things are emergency, emergency. And all those things might be true. And some of that knowledge might be helpful. But I'm encouraging you to instead settle. Take your cards. The world is saying, go all in. Give me all of your attention. Give me all of your money. Give me all of your energy. And instead, I would encourage you to hold your cards. You might have a straight in there. You never know what might come up in your next hand. I know nothing about a certain game by which people play. Anyway. Just, just fold. Just wait. Just wait. And allow him to take control of the situation and provide for you rather than going off with all the promises and all the emergencies of the world. Because knowing about Jesus is not enough. Knowing about his peace, knowing about his power, knowing about his ability to save is not enough. We need to instead trust him to meet our need. And sometimes that means trusting in a promise that is not revealed now, but will come later. And again, I am sorry. I would love to convince you of this, but you're going to have to risk. So one thing I want to say before I close. Some of us have trouble trusting Jesus. Um, and I want to address this one thing about that, um, which is you might know a lot about him. You might know about his grace. And you might know that he is your life. And you, you might know that you're a beloved child of God. But you have trouble actually going to him because you've been failed by authorities in your life. You've been failed by parents. You've been failed by pastors. You've been failed by teachers. And so that might shape your vision of this ultimate authority that I have just presented to you. So you may not want to trust him for that reason. Your concept of God has been marred. I want to invite you into this that I could talk about knowing Jesus all I want, but if you have a concept of him that is preventing you from trusting him, you need to address that. Some of you see God just the way you saw your fathers, harsh, unrelenting, wanting you to, setting a high jump bar for you, and as soon as you jumped it, raise it again. Or, you might have had experiences with fathers or parents who didn't do their job and didn't stick around. And so for as much as you know about him, about his peace and his provision and his nearness, you're not willing to trust him because the authorities in your life were never around, never protected you, never listened to you, never took time to understand you. 
So it's hard to trust him. I want to encourage you to do this as we close. There is an opportunity now for you to reflect on that. And I would encourage you to do this. That if in any way what I described your vision of God, uh, sorry, when I describe these visions of God, these concepts of God, if any of them relate to you, I want to highly encourage you to do this. I highly encourage you to release the right to retribution against these people who have harmed you. Because that is not the picture of who our God is. And by doing this, it's just this. It's just saying that you accept that God has accepted Jesus' payment for those authorities who have wronged you. That the payment has been made and you don't have to do anything to get them back or to get back what was taken from you. But instead, you can trust today in his promises that in every way those individuals harmed you or took something away from you, that God will return it. He is banking on his reputation to provide for you with his own reputation and competency. He's saying, I am more than capable to provide for you, to give you everything you need for life and godliness. I am banking on it. Trust me. Whatever was taken, let me return it. And what's going to happen is, maybe not right away, but hopefully over time, when you release those who've harmed you, what is that going to do? You're going to release your hands. Your hands will be open. You're holding something against somebody, now your hands are open to receive from Jesus. And when they're open, then he can provide for you. Or when your hands are open, you could say, I need you, Father. I stepped out of the boat, I'm walking on the water. Oh, 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 I can't do some of my own ability anymore. Now my hands are free, I can reach out and take your hand. When we settle for knowing Jesus, or we can settle for knowing Jesus by letting his peace, his power, and his promises meet our needs. So if not this, more, this morning or this moment, maybe later on today, I highly encourage you uh, to ask God, what is, what is my concept of you? Is it, is it off? Is it wrong? Why am I not trusting you? Or what's, my, what's the obstacle to that and allowing him to speak into that? Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I, am, I pray that you would uh, confirm to our hearts today that these things that you've said in your word are true. And if anything is, is not good enough or too weak of a foundation to trust you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you have those things just get washed away. But Holy Spirit, illuminate the things that, are, that we need. Illuminate the truths that we need this morning. And I pray that you open up our hearts to trust you and receive you today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.